The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Wednesday. It is hump day. It's October 25th, and today is National Merry Music Day. It's also National Greasy Foods Day, Sourest Day, International Artist Day, and, oh, yes, that's right. It is Halloween season, so that's right. It is Chucky Day, the Notorious Killer Dolls Day. Oh, boy. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code somewhere on your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And now we are also streaming on Rumble, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and am I forgetting one? Is that it? Oh, no, I said that. Oh, I think I think that's it. Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, well, we're on all those spots wherever. So thank you so much for joining us today. That's right. We are going to kick this thing off. Oh, man. Where did Rico go? Wasn't he just here? He's disappeared on us, huh? All right. All right. Well, Rico! seeing as how Rico is, is playing Houdini on us right now, um, we I'm going to roll right into my story real quick. I think the old guys will find this very, very, very interesting because two-thirds of Canadian consumers buy only legal cannabis, a survey shows. I feel so bad for these Canadians. Two-thirds of Canadian consumers buy cannabis only from legal sources, according to a new survey from Toronto-based polling company Polara Strategic Insights. The newest data released on the fifth anniversary of the end of prohibition in Canada suggests the regulated industry might account for more of the overall market than previously understood, which would be a boon to compliant businesses. That might also come as a surprise to some executives who sometimes blame the illicit market for their hardships and mounting losses in the legal market. And according to the Polara data, 65% of respondents said they purchased only legal cannabis, which is a seven-point increase since November of 2022. 
In March of 2021, Pilara found that half of consumers bought only legally sourced marijuana, and the Pilara figures are higher than Health Canada's. According to Health Canada's annual survey, roughly half of consumers, in quotes, always purchase cannabis from a legal source last year, meaningfully lower than Pilara's figure. That number is up from 43% in 2021 and 37% in 2020, establishing a rough idea of the amount of sales according uh, um, occurring in the legal market is important to estimating the amount of revenue that it is addressable for legal businesses. And the Polara survey also found that those who use cannabis both before and since legalization are more likely to report a reduced usage frequency now than before legalization. The company polled 2006 randomly selected adults on many aspects of the cannabis industry. Because the survey was entirely online, there is no assigned margin of error, though survey of this size typically come with margins of roughly plus or minus 2.2%. The survey highlighted some potentially concerning trends, you guys. It found that 27% of Canadians reported using cannabis in the past 12 months, a major increase from 11% in 2017. However, Health Canada's data, data differs significantly in this regard, suggesting 22% of Canadians consume cannabis in 2017, rising to 27% in 2022. The survey also found that more Canadians than ever approve of cannabis legalization. 52% expressed outright approval, while 20% were ambivalent, and just under one quarter of respondents disapproved of legal cannabis. Canada legalized cannabis largely for public health reasons and potentially but potentially of concern of cannabis businesses are some of the public health-related findings in the survey. More Canadians believe the overall health of youth was negatively impacted by cannabis legalization, 38%, compared with those who say there was a positive impact, which is 15%. About one quarter believe there was basically no impact, and other findings from the survey include the perceived positive impacts of cannabis legalization on economic and tax revenues outweighed negatives by a 2 to 1 or greater margin, Close to half believe road sa safety has been negatively impacted by cannabis legalization, 46%, while 9% say roads are safer, and 27% think there was basically no impact. 11% of adult Canadians reported using cannabis for the first time after legalization, and the report sheds some light on perceived impacts of cannabis legalization before 2018 compared to now. Notably, before legalization, about two-thirds of Canadians believe the number of youth using cannabis and the frequency would increase because of legalization. However, less than half think so now, according to the Polaris survey. Well, 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 these numbers and fact-finding missions going on in Canada, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think? Based on this headline, two-thirds of Canadians like bad weed. I, I I I mean I I I don't think I can argue with that one at all, Mandy. But I'm going to say that I don't believe that that the two thirds number is a real number. I think this is a totally skewed survey, and I think a lot of these people are Bullshit. just lying. Yeah, they're just lying because it, it's Canada. Good media. Yeah, I think they're it's all straight lying. bullshit. Yeah, straight bullshit. This is what this is what I'm going to say. Let's let's break this down onto a common sense level. Mm -hmm. Okay. How many times are people truthful when they someone hands them a survey that asks them if they break the law? 
especially in Canada. Let's just keep it real right there. Like how many times is somebody going to be truthful that is actually breaking the law, uh, that is doing criminal activity, and you hand them a survey that says, hey, where do you buy your weed from? Is it from the illegal market? It's 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 really like it's really like. Do you remember when we were in elementary school, Luke? And they would they would exactly. have, have the dare surveys. Yeah, they were had the dare surveys, and they'd be like, "Hey, how many of you guys uh, know what drugs are? How many of you guys know what this is? And how many of you have seen these types of products around in your home? How many times have you used it in the last ten days? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Have you witnessed other of your classmates using it? All of that. All of those good snitching questions. Mm-hmm. Exactly my point. And it's just it's such BS that we we even publish these kind of surveys because they don't reflect anything even remotely accurate. We come on now. There is not two thirds of that huge market up in Canada buying that trash stuff that even the Canadians will tell us that they don't smoke it. So, like, mm-hmm. come on, let's keep it real. Yes, I, I, I agree with you on that, Luke. But I think there is one other uh, aspect to this that I do find it amazing is the fact that the Canadian uh, LPs, basically due to this survey, can't blame the illicit market for their lack of fiscal competence. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you it's, think it's about this? It's always good to. Uh, it's always good for us to be able to point the finger at the the guys who want to blame the other guys. Right? Exactly. Because yeah. you got four pointing back at you. Every time you're pointing at somebody else, when you're pointing at the illicit market because your business model is faulty, there's four pointing back at you of why your business has failed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, what I what I find interesting is that they've admitted that up to twenty percent of their population smokes weed on a regular basis. Okay. And when I was 50 years ago, when I was in college, we, we were taught that if 10% of your population violates some prohibition, you can't enforce it, so you better find a better way to do it. Now Canada is saying, well, 20% of our population smokes weed. Let's not even try to make this illegal. Let's see if we can make it work. And if you stop spending money enforcing and get tax money, you flip the equations here, make it so that it's a net revenue generator rather than a net revenue um no negative figure, you're not throwing people in jail. I mean, swag is swag. People will buy swag. And the, the swag shit from Canada has no comparison to the swag shit we used to smoke back in the day, but it's still swag. Mm-hmm. Importantly, we're beyond the point where we can enforce these prohibition laws now. Nobody even admits that anymore. We can't enforce them. Let's find a better way to do this. And, you know, besides lying in statistics, which they've been doing for as long as they've been taking statistics, now, this is just a bullshit piece of information, basically. Do, do, do you think, Dale, that they ever could enforce it even in the first place, even before? Because I'm, I'm not of that opinion. Well, no. They never wanted to admit that uh, more people were doing this than, than, than they thought or that they wanted to make public. Mm-hmm. We've known for a long time, you can't enforce these laws. People want to do this. Uh, basically, drug laws are not enforceable, at least not through the criminal system. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't, you got to have enough cops out there watching people. And, you know, people using drugs is not the biggest issue faced by society today. So are we going to continue to do this? Are we going to put this in a place where we can try to manage it and get revenue out of it and go after violent criminals and, you know, people like that? I think we all agree they need to be off the streets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess it's progress, but it's, it's begrudging progress. 
Rico, you've been pretty quiet this morning. Uh, you have any thoughts on this? Oh, Rico, can you cut Rico, out right when you said that? Can you repeat yourself? Rico, can you can can you hear us, Rico? Are you? Yes. Oh man, you. Yes. Oh man, I don't know. Something's going on over yes. there with you. Yeah, you sound terrible, bro. Jeez. What do I sound like? Oh man, it's not good, bro. It's, I don't know what's going on over there. It sounds like you have like. What do I sound like now? Oh, way better now. Now, now, there you go. What'd you do? Did you fix it? Did you okay. fix yourself? I just unplugged my mic, whatever. Oh, yeah, perfect, bro. You sound, way, you sound a million times mic. better. Yeah, I'm just going in straight through the, the Mac Pro. All right, there we go. What do you think um, about this, Rico? I was saying, I think this is straight bullshit. Um, I'm, right along with, I'm right along with you guys, man. Um, okay. I do not think that these assessments are uh, accurate. Um, if two-thirds of the, uh, of the country is saying that they will only use legal weed, like, Nah, man. I, I don't believe any of this. Well, you know, Rico, so, you, you um, can't spell assessment without having an ass in the room. <laughs> just saying. Just I saying. am wondering, like, um, how quick we can get the tagline for, like, a pit, maybe a picture of Dale on a T-shirt with the with the tagline, Canadian swag is not the swag from back in the day, but it's still swag. I want that on the back of a shirt. Oh, boy. Um, I do have a quick update for you guys um, before we go to a co quick commercial break. Um, uh, in, in the chat, James of Flatbush posted up about the story that we covered yesterday about Jamal. And it says uh, it says that they are getting ready to post his bail. And so I'm assuming that that's going to be posting bail in Pennsylvania. So shout out to them and uh, much, yeah. much good, yeah. good, good progress on that. And, uh, yes, thank you very Free much Jamal, for that Jamal. update, James. We appreciate that very much. And on that note, we're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. You guys need to get out of that chair in your son's room, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, My, get your son, so get your son that chair, Mandy. It's messed up. You're trying to hold it. It's yeah. trying to experiment. <laughs> I'm an experiment. I bet. <laughs> I I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if you guys saw this couch, kneeling, wheeling, and dealing, oh. surrender to the feeling. Mm -hmm. That's right. Ooh, uh -huh. Bars. But coming up next, have to up the uh, rating on this show. Oh boy. Coming up next, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico the Meat. When he's not styling and profiling, you can find him just changing diapers and stirring up baby food. That's right. It is none other than the dope dad himself, Rico the Meat. I don't know. I don't know. He Adam hit it, but I'm not hearing it. But I hear it over here. But I'm not hearing it on the feed. I don't know, but he hit it. He, he oh, hit good. the applause. So like you got it somewhere. All right, somebody's clapping for me. Yeah. All good. All right, so uh, Jason, I'm going to stick with the international theme to start the day off today. And we're going to head across the pond to Ireland. This Canada's morning, considered uh, international? Yeah. Okay. Canada's not America, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's North America. Just saying. That's a different, it's the same continent, different just countries. Just you know, saying. Just saying. I, I, know, I know you're against borders. 
So um, I am not. I'm all. I'm a, I'm a. I'm a strong supporter of Borders, especially the bookstore. Sure. Especially the bookstore. <laughs> Fuck Barnes and yeah. Noble. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna head across the pond to Ireland this morning by way of marijuana moment, where the Irish citizens had a bit of good news and a wee bit of a, a what the moment. Um, because a, regular, a regulative panel voted to recommend decriminalizing drug possession, uh, but for some reason, cannabis legalization falls one sh- vote short. For the article, after months of meeting and consideration, a group of 99 Irish citizens hand-selected by the government to weigh in on the nation's drug policy voted to recommend decriminalizing the possession of small amounts of currently illicit substances and adopting a public health approach to the issue. However, the same panel also narrowly voted against endorsing the legalization and regulation of cannabis. Makes a lot of sense. So crack pills, heroin, you know, whatever. That's cool, but weed, not so much. I got it. Let's continue. Uh, The Citizens Assembly on Drug Use uh, posted uh, summaries of a 36-day policy recommendation, excuse me, 36 policy recommendations online Monday following the body's final meeting over the weekend, culmination of what the body's chair, Paul Reed, called the most comprehensive, wide-ranging, and representative discussion on all aspects of drugs, drug use, and drug policy that has ever taken place in Ireland. The group's overarching message was that lawmakers must take a more ambitious and progressive approach to dealing with drugs in Ireland. In a statement, Reed said this, ultimately it will be up to the Oreactus, I don't know if it's pronounced correctly, Oreactus to implement what the assembly is called for, uh, referring to Ireland's national parliament. Uh, But if they do, this will not only change the national policy and approach, it will also change people's lives for the better, end quote. Citizens assemblies are intended to give everyday Irish citizens who aren't typically involved in policy deliberations the chance to debate a single issue, in this case, drug policy, members who are selected by the government in a way that aims to be representative of the country's population, examine public research, consider evidence from other countries, and hear from experts and ordinary people alike. The Citizens Assembly on Drug Use first met in April of this year and has since spent more than 200 hours discussing drug policies. They heard more than 120 representations uh, and considered nearly 800 public submissions. Broadly, there are three dozen recommendations that fall into six main themes. Recovery and supporting people with uh, problematic drugs, uh, drug use uh, with within the criminal justice system. These are what they were. Uh, possession of drugs for personal use, governance and implementation, uh, funding and resources, service design and research, um, reducing supply, prevention, protecting, protecting young people and communities, harm reduction, innovation research, referral and submissions. Most of the descriptions of the recommendations are pretty short and others are more in depth. Uh, now that the assembly has adopted its recommendations, it will prepare a more extensive description of each for a forthcoming final report. Not everybody was impressed by a citizens assembly's call for a change. However, an Irish harm reduction um, advocacy group called Crane uh, said the recommendations are a good for grabbing headlines, but contain very little substance. This broad recommendation gives room to the Ariarctus. Uh, to fully interpret how they will deal with specific drugs such as cannabis, uh, said a statement by the organization. It warns that the newly proposed system will still allow only uh, will still allow law enforcement to stop and search people or force people to attend drug interventions. 
sounds very draconian to me. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on Irish policy or the citizens' sentiment or wishes here, um, but I think it's uh, interesting the way they have a panel of 100 people hand-selected by the government. Lots of corruption, uh, uh, room for corruption there. Um, but they set the tone for the rest of the nation. And for some reason, they're more keen on letting more harmful substances to become legalized or decriminalized, uh, but not so quick to move on cannabis, which has been proven time and time again to have a multitude of medical benefits. But that's just me. I'd love to hear from the rest of the team. Anybody got some insight on this uh, Irish, uh, the way they do uh, laws over there in Ireland? And, and what, uh, why are they so against cannabis? I'm Rico Lameet, dopest dad on the street. What do you guys think? I feel like they all should have had buttons that said, kiss me, I'm Irish. Ooh. I just want to know what Daniel O'Connell had to say about this. Mm -hmm. The famous Irish hero. Um, no, on some real stuff, though, like, it's, I don't understand, I don't really understand it either. It, I guess this is it, right? You, if you take away the gateway drug, then they, you can legalize all the other drugs because they can't get to them because you took away the gate. I guess. I don't yeah. Know. Oh, that's but, cute. But, I see what uh, you did there. To build upon that, yeah. To build upon that, uh, Luke, I would say um, you can take away the gateway, but you still got the gatekeepers. <laughs> the yeah, gatekeepers rationality are... makes about as much sense as prohibition. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, totally. You're yeah. Letting everybody. It just, it, it just when you have this kind of legislation, it just kind of makes you lose hope in some of our politicians. It's just illogical. It's it's without reason. It doesn't make sense. And it's frankly a waste of the taxpayer's time. Let's let's put forth stuff that makes sense based on science and based on evidence and we can get forward as a society. Mm -hmm. how, how many how many people from the actual communities would be selected um, to actually put forth community initiatives if we did this in America? Let's just say uh, you had people from the communities that were elected by your elected official to represent the community's voice or the uh, constituents' voice. Like how many people and their ideas would be left out? I guarantee you there is a more prohibitionists on this 100-person panel uh, than not. And a lot of ill-informed people too because they, they want to let, you know, uh, you got crack on you? Cool. You got heroin on you? Cool. You got, you got illegal pills? Cool. You got weed? Nah, man. <laughs> we throwing you in jail. Mm -hmm. like, I, I don't get I don't get the, uh, the, the the thought process behind this. We no. have over, a, Rico, we have over a century of the prohibition madness that, uh, you know, unfortunately was based in religious movements back at the end of the 1800s to take alcohol out, and it rolled into drugs. And to try to get prohibitionists to stop and look at facts, scientific facts, is like teaching a pig to sing. You just you can't do it. I still appear in front of commissions and bodies that make decisions about cannabis licenses and zoning and things like that. And you'll still have one or two on these panels that, you know, I'm a I'm a strong Christian and I just don't believe in it. Like there, there's no place to go with that kind of an argument because you can't break through it. And I've had meetings stopped by what I call church ladies. You know, you're mm -hmm. getting into a place where my butt's beginning to pucker. I'm going to stand up and scream and take all the oxygen out of a room. And at that point, there's no sense, you know, talking to these people anymore because you can't meet them with uh, facts and science. Arm reduction is supposed to be the, the tail wagging the dog here. Mm -hmm. Cannabis is the, one of the most least harmful and most medically active substances known to man. But you can't get that, that to sink into people's heads 
when they have closed off thinking because you've got them in cognitive dissonance. I was taught this is bad. My mama said it's bad, and that's all there is to it. I don't know what to say about folks like that because I've got a felony. I can't go smack them in the mouth anymore. So you just got to kind of walk out of the room and shake your head. Maybe well, just Dale, smash them with a guitar. You, I can tell you exactly yeah. what to say. A wise man said, don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who's who. Who's who? Oh, I like that's that right. one, Luke. That's right. Old Jay-Z quote. I like that one, Luke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I also think it's interesting that Ireland, this is the same country, I think it was last year, they began to allow people to drive drunk, right, in the rural areas because they don't have enough taxis. They don't have enough Ubers and stuff out there. You're allowed well, to drive drunk not, not, as not long to, as it's like, like under like 30 miles an hour. Yeah, but I'll, at the same time, too, you're not going to hit anybody. You're going to just, like, crash into a tree. Said if you're smoking weed, <laughs> you can't do that. You can do that uh, if you're drinking, but you can't do that if you're high. Like, I don't, think, I don't I, get it. I, I, think, I think people that are high are trying to save the trees rather than hit the trees. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Most people that I know that get high, they hit the trees all the time. That's a different Burning type of tree, Luke. Different type of tree, Luke. Different type of tree. They're hitting the trees harder than Sonny Bono. <sighs> Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, ooh. Day man day. oh man and on that we're gonna keep this keep this show rolling we're gonna keep we're gonna move right in to oh oh man Rico, are you back you're back with us huh that's right he's back <laughs> we're moving right in to mr dale shaper mr dale shaper he's the founder of armada law practice and everyone's favorite fun uncle who loves to piss up, up a rope while driving you madly insane and we're glad to have him back he's feeling better and so dale schaefer welcome back uh howdy howdy everybody yeah the old man i think mostly over his virus and heavy on the old man this virus kicked my ass for a couple of weeks well i'm back and i'm scrappy this morning and my uh my story comes out of law 360 it came out yesterday lawsuits challenging hemp laws reflect new cannabis rift and this story dates back to uh long before anybody knew what thc was because 100 years ago when you smoked hemp you knew it was hemp when you smoked indian hemp you knew it was hot hemp uh, and when they finally figured out what thc was they screwed the pooch and they continued to screw the pooch as in the 2018 farm bill they exempted hemp from the controlled substances act and they used the specific term Delta 9 THC, which is an organic molecule on the ninth bonding site. And so everything else that um, flows from the hemp plant, including all the cannabinoids, were taken out of the Controlled Substances Act. Now, several years ago, people thought CBD was going to be all that in a bag of chips, and it fell flat on its face because, again, smoking hemp, you go, that's not weed, I don't want to smoke it anymore. So they, Delta-8, which is one of the natural isomers that comes out of the cannabis plant, but in very small amounts. But you can manufacture it. So hemp manufacturers began to pump out products with Delta-8 THC in it, which by definition uh, is not um, cannabis or marijuana. So states began to jump into this because the, the federal government wouldn't take any action. 
the FDA said they would do something about this, but they sat on their thumbs. And so Delta-8 now is in competition with Delta-9-THC, and so the hemp and the cannabis industries are now fighting over turf, and states are getting involved. Now, one of the, the leading um, cases came out of California in 2022, and I had to go back and look at the exact date that the legislature changed the hemp manufacturing laws in California, but it was right around this time. And the owner of the brand cake um, took a bunch of manufacturers to, um, to court and federal court for trademark infringement, unfair business practices, a bunch of things like that. And at that point in time, what came in front of the court was an injunction, a temporary injunction to stop these manufacturers from making Delta-8 products and selling them under the cake name. So the court said, well, I'm looking at the... Um, hemp regulation from the 2018 farm bill and it says that uh, if it's got less than 0.3 percent uh, delta 9 thc it's hemp and all the cannabinoids that come from that oh sorry it looks like um, the owner of the cake brand is going to prevail here and we're going to issue very restraining order stopping all these companies from manufacturing this well, that got appealed to the ninth circuit here in california we got a decision out of it that said, I don't care what the DEA says, the clear meaning of clear language in the 2018 Farm Bill says if it's got less than 0.3% Delta 9THC, it's him. So get out of here. Okay? And so we're left with a void. Now, California changed this, and they included all THC, all types of Delta hydrocannabinols. Every one of those is now covered by our cannabis statutes in California, so you have to have a cannabis license to do it. But other states have taken different approaches, and in the states that don't have recreational and medical statutes, it's just the Wild West. Anything that you can put into your corner uh, stop and rob you know, is, is going to be okay. And so we have a continuing battle here because the, the Congress has not stepped up to fix this. And in our Supreme Court, there's some uh, tendencies right now to send uh, a, these administrative decisions back to Congress. So I expect that no matter what happens here in the courts, it's going to be punted back to Congress to try to fix this problem because the definitions they came up with, they had rectal myopia when they put them up there. If you just talk, talk to a, um, an organic chemist, he, would, he could tell you we can take CBD and turn it into any cannabinoid we want. You better figure out a better way to define this or all of these, you call them intoxicating cannabinoids, these intoxicating THC cannabinoids are going to be just out there all over the place and you're not going to be able to stop them. Now the farm bill is typically reevaluated every five years, which means we're five years out from 2018. Okay? And so you would expect Congress to do something, but right now Congress has its head up his ass, about four feet. They can't even get a Speaker of the House. So to think that we're going to solve this problem in this Congress, I think is wishful thinking. But this is going to continue. Um, courts are going to make decisions, but they can't make legislation. They can only strike parts of legislation out. This is going to have to be solved by Congress, and God only knows when that's going to happen or what kind of a mess they're going to make out of this. So that's my story for this morning. Let me kick it back to all of you. What do you all got to say? 
I, th I think they're going to make a bigger mess out of it than it already is, Dale. But I do think, too, that it doesn't make a lot of sense for states to start enacting any of these types of laws when the farm bill is going to be is, is up for revision this year and is going to be coming out with a whole new version of it. And I feel like they, they should just put a pause um, pa pause on all these decisions until that comes out. So then that way they know how to steer. You know that can't happen, Jason. I, Local legislators need to look like they're being proactive. They can't act like they're doing nothing. They can't just be doing yeah, but absolutely they're, 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 they're gonna, they're, then they're going to then they're going to end up having to do the work all over again once once the farm bill. Comes I mean, out. I understand what you're saying. I, I I do think that waiting for the farm bill makes the most sense. But there are communities that feel very strongly affected by this, and and let's be really honest, there is a lot of shitty Delta eight and whatever products mm -hmm. out there right now they're up for sure there's a lot of swill out there i mean i've even over the years done my fair share of pulling products off the, sh off the shelf from the side of the market and taking it to labs and finding that there's not even anything in it mm -hmm. so it's just it is a wild west situation of course and your stuff yeah. from local licensed places because they have test results to prove that it's real mm-hmm Okay. I think I think I think this this goes back to just government being fundamentally broken. Um, I know a lot of people on our team. I won't call out names right now. But they're like, oh, this is how government works: incremental change. This, you know, at least we got something done. Um, but um, the system is fundamentally flawed, and our government continues to put half-baked, half-ass laws out there, um, half legalizing stuff, half legalizing. Uh, half a uh, uh, criminalizing other things. How do you know that's not just to, to? How do you know that's just not to uh, implore the entrepreneurial spirit? It is con constantly causing problems down the line that you know you're going to have, and then we're in a situation right now when your side of the government can't even put together a leader, and we can't even uh, push forward. We, we actually any... did. We actually did get a leader last night. Nice, nice, nice try. Nice try, Rico. Nice Emmer. No, 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 not Emmer. Different, different guy. I forget his name. Um, I can pull it up. Give me a second. Uh, yeah, you, you know his name. I forget, I forget his name. name. Okay. I forget his name. And, and will he get? And will he get all the votes? Uh, he he got enough votes, to my understanding. No, he he got enough votes to move forward uh, with the vote uh, overall. But will he get all of the votes needed to move forward? Yes. That's that's still a question mark. I'm, I'm, I'm and sure we wouldn't even will. be in this situation. If it wasn't for government being fundamentally broken, and this is this is why I'm all like, like, yo, like I won't back down on that safe banking thing because it is not going to fix a lot of stuff that are fundamentally, uh, fundamentally flawed uh, with us going forward. Uh, you his know, anti-recidivism issues. His name is Mike um, Johnson. Um, his name is Mike Johnson. Just so you know, and he is what is known as like the Speaker thing. Designee. Okay, that is that is his official title as a president. We'll, we'll see if he gets all the votes because yeah, y'all can't even agree on anything. Uh, but government is, I love yeah, that he and, has and the most generic name, bill. Michael Johnson. He's a fundamentalist right. Christian, Mandy. Take a guess. Right, right. like country's broken, the laws are broken, and and, and and fundamentally flawed from the beginning. It should have been cannabis overall. It shouldn't have been hemp. You know, because hemp is cannabis, period. And so you're going to always have all these little loopholes that people are going to try to shut. And you have all this reefer madness creeping in there. Like, follow the science that we have. If we want to be uh, the number one country when it comes to science, you know, it comes to business, comes to all that stuff. Yo, we have numbers. We have science-backed uh, uh, research going back decades. Use that and uh, build laws around that. 
not just a bunch of people uh, saying, oh, yeah, these people are really, really upset and they're they're in my constituency group. I'm going to push this forward. I'm going to ram this forward. Like it's it's fundamentally flawed. It's a good old boy system. And we're going to continue to have issues going forward. And burn on, it down. And, and on that note, we're going to go to a commercial. and We're going to be right back. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. To vote to be speaker, irrespective of what their position is on bigger issues out there, they've got their own pissing matches going on. So we're gonna be left with somebody get past a Republican vote that is not going to want all the things we want. Oh, man. Dale, Dale, we got to, we got, we're, 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 we're back and we're live and we got to keep this thing rolling. But right now, do whatever you want to do, but make sure that you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And make sure that you go and check out our website, www.hyatt9news.com. You can read all the articles and you can purchase yourself a fancy little mug like this so you can sip the same type of tea that we be sipping on all day over here at Hyatt 9 News. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. So um, uh, this well-known industry expert in Northern California-based head honcho of the Women's Canna Awards is known in certain circles as Carmen Sacramento for a never-ending quest to find the world's greatest cannabis and psychedelic edible experiences. But you know what? She's coming to the stage to bless us with some facts, some solutions coming from a mother's perspective. Mandy Tingler, what do you got for us today? Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Today, I'm going to ask you to put on your judge and jury caps. There's a lovely story I'm about to tell you. I want to know what you think should be done, and I'm done. Our headline comes from Marijuana Moment and reads, Former DEA agent fired over positive THC test from CBD products solicits public support as legal fees mount to challenge agency's action. Described by DEA as an outstanding special agent during his 16-year tenure, Armour was ultimately terminated by the agency in 2019 following a random drug screening that revealed trace doses of THC metabolites. 
He admitted to taking CBD for chronic pain as an opioid alternative, and he turned over the products he believed to be federally legal under the 2018 Farm Bill. But DEA upheld his firing even upon appeal. I enjoyed what I did. I loved what I did, Armour told Marijuana Moment in a phone interview on Tuesday. The whole thing, I'm really just disappointed in the way they took it. The farm bill that legalized hemp and its derivatives like CBD containing up to 0.3% THC by dry weight has forced many federal agencies to reconcile their workplace drug policies. That includes DEA. But the departmental guidance only came after the former agent was terminated, which is noted in a briefing his attorneys filed with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal <laughs> Circuit in May. In a costly case years in the making, Armour said, who continues to use his CBD product while on unemployment because the non-intoxicating cannabinoid has resulted in a significant improvement in his overall well-being with the medical issues that he's faced. It has also allowed him to, <clears throat> excuse me, it's also allowed him to manage pain without resorting to addictive opioids, the illicit trafficking of which he spent much of his career working to combat. Faced with his out-of-this-world out legal fees, he is really in a bind right now, and so he is turning to, of course, GoFundMe to start a campaign. He describes in his description on his GoFundMe page as having a short stint of employment, but it was contract work that didn't last long. He said he's just been trying to get back on his feet, and being in a position like this is, a, is especially tough given the nature of my job. I'm not out there don't have social media. I don't use social media. So just telling my story is making me have to be vulnerable. And it was the last thing that I wanted to do because of the type of person that I am. He says he's emphasized that his problem isn't with the DEA as an institution. He recognizes that there are many who use cannabis who hold a deep resentment with the agency, given its historic role in enforcing criminalization. And while he hopes to return to work there, he agrees that the rules need to be changed fundamentally. He says, I support legalization. I support common sense legalization, he says. And obviously, the science backing legalization is there, and it's just been ignored this entire time. Thankfully, we have people that are able to bring the issue to light and educate. Yes, it was the CSA and the use of legal products that contained more THC than he intended to consume to cost Armour his job. It was an attempt to relieve chronic pain with a natural product that evidently crossed the threshold from the permissible, albeit loosely regulated, hemp extract. DEA is actively reviewing the federal scheduling status of cannabis under, of course, as you know, the directive from good old Biden. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has already completed its part of the review, concluding that marijuana should be moved to that less restrictive Schedule 3. So, guys, here we are. We've got a former DEA agent looking for help in a public forum for his case against the feds. What do you think? Tell me all about it. See you Wednesday. This is Carmen Sacramento. Yeah. Well, part of me thinks that if you want sympathy, it's in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. Okay. But Luke and I, people that have gone down this road and been 
know, bent over by the DEA. Uh, it's like, you know, you guys need to take a look at your own internal lack of scientific understanding. They're one of the least scientific organizations. They're just cops. Okay. Um, and I, I know plenty of cops who would smoke <coughs> hot if they weren't going to be fired because they were going to be tested. They recognize that it's just stupid. Uh, it doesn't change the dynamic that there's a lot of people out there. And, you know, Luke, I'm looking right at you and you're looking right at me that have paid a heavy price for the insanity inside the DEA. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. He's going to question from inside. But for those of us who have really been had our lives turned upside down, it's like, fuck you. Okay, You want to go fund me? Why don't you send go fund me to me and Luke? We got our lives ruined because of this. Okay, so... Right. You know, go ahead. Send us some money too. Shoes on the other foot. Yeah, I mean, the shoes on the other foot now, and they want they want us to support them. But you know what? Like, I, I, I didn't. Isn't know this? I couldn't and do this that. is not this kind of like? Isn't this kind of like uh, when when Oprah Winfrey and The Rock are asking people to send money to Hawaii? No. This is very, very difficult. No. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Interestingly <laughs> enough, I did look up the GoFundMe, and he has raised a little over $6,000. Um, the target is 75000 And it says that nobody should have to choose between suffering pain and serving our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How much pain has he inflicted on the nation as a DEA agent? Well, first, first of all, we don't know how long he was a DEA agent, agent for. He could have just if he, was, if he signed up for the job. That's, that's it says twenty five years during law enforcement, sixteen of what with Thank within you, the DEA. Thank you, Mandy. So, so see, a quarter see, century of inflicting pain yes. on U.S. citizens. I mean, I didn't even know that drug DEA agents got drug tested. I'm a little surprised by that. Like, I believe that they, they would get drug uh, tested in their initial, but I, I don't think that they would get drug tested on a regular basis. I want to I want to know what sparked this drug test that got this guy fired. Random. Ops are tested. You, you think you think it was and random, they, Dale? If you have a history of cannabis use, they won't even hire you. That's how stupid. You, you, I, I, I understand you, you that. You probably ordered some, some Delta 8 online. Oh, <laughs> man, that's probably that... what came up. NSA of probably course, saw I can, you know, find a bright side in this. I can appreciate the challenge and the <laughs> the way that this man has had to get really brave and take on the federal government. That's not easy. I mean, Luke and Dale can both, you know, nod their heads in agreement. But um, it's just really hard to give any kind of sympathy, let alone my own cash, to... DEA agent. That's just so hard to digest. Mm. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. This was a great story, Mandy. Thank you so much. This, Go ahead, Rico. This this, this right here is like... It's, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. Mm -hmm. That's basically what this is. You have a situation where you have... And and I'm gonna I'm gonna just put a full disclaimer out here. I have... I don't have any love for the DEA, so... But but I will give credit where credit's due, and I will call stuff out where it needs to be called out. So on, in this particular instance, you have this DEA agent who obviously in a 16-year career has had some form of direct marijuana enforcement upon people's lives and devastation that he has caused 
directly, personally, and then as a group and as an entity that that, that they have. DEA for those of those for those of you that are listening that don't have a real knowledge of what that agency does is kind of just a lofty federal agency. It's not like your regular police. Like I can I can like sit down with uh, somebody who used to be a police officer and had the epiphany that hey look what I'm doing is not right. I want to get on the other side of this and advocate for people. You know, they're they're they were just a beat cop that was in a neighborhood and they saw the, what drugs do and they changed their mind. That's different than the DEA agent whose whole premise is to go in and like systematically destroy people's lives who are just using cannabis and know it like this, these actions that were taken upon people from really 1996 from the time California passed the Compassionate Use Act until really the Ogden memo in 2011. From, from that time, you had just a massive enforcement of marijuana or, or against marijuana by the DEA and countless 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 lives and communities that were devastated so now you have this individual who says that he was using these hemp products um which if you had legal cannabis you would know what was in your products number one but you have this guy who uses this product and then get he gets a random test which all federal employees do i know what you're saying jay but i think that's more like when they're in the field and they are actually conducting like undercover investigations i know they're able to use drugs and yeah, that's, do that's whatever what they got to do to exactly, infiltrate stuff exactly that's what i'm saying this this i think is a, a slightly different situation and all federal employees are are subject to random drug tests that's just part of the, what their contract is but so this guy he tests dirty and then what happens is he says oh shit like I should be able to do this. Everybody come over and help me. Like you're reaching out to the to the cannabis uh, advocacy organizations, the one that advocates for the people that you actually put in prison. Where are you, all your DEA brethren? If you're such a good, like, you know, noble officer and stuff like this, and this is really a situation where you're trying to relieve pain, like where, where's all your, your brothers and sisters at the DEA that should be funding your, your GoFundMe page? Like, I don't understand why you're reaching out to us in this in this situation or to the industry or to the advocacy groups in, as a whole and saying, hey, look, I don't have a platform. Will you guys help me advocate for this on on your guys' platform? Listen, our platform was built out of necessity by the actions that were taken by you and your your agency. You don't get to utilize that platform if you ask me, period. So I don't know. This is, this is, this is like a Ku Klux Klansman. Mm -hmm going and soliciting support from a black church <laughs> going to congregation like please yeah oh, man. i made a like come on like i need y'all to come for me because i know the judge is black yeah <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here man yes and on that we gotta we, we gotta keep it we gotta keep this rolling we're gonna go right into our last commercial we're gonna be right back Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown.
somebody here's the, here's where you really spend it. Yeah, you know what's this funny. You know what's funny job, is I am definitely surprised that that no hacker has gone and and rerouted his GoFundMe to one of these other causes that you guys are mentioning. Like I'm surprised Anonymous hasn't done that yet, but whatever, whatever. Well, I'm it's just going to say Anonymous, don't go to his GoFundMe page and reroute it. Don't do that, please. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anonymous is not the same. Uh, they had uh, one of the top guys snitch on all the other ones, so they're not the same. They're not the same anonymous that we once loved. Oh man, unfortunately. Oh man, crazy, crazy world we live in nowadays. But coming up next, it's about to get even more crazier because we have a man convicted who was a convicted felon who didn't do no telling. That's right. It is your favorite outlaw correspondent. It is none other than Luke Scarmazzo. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. It is your neighborhood outlaw correspondent, Luke Scarmazzo, High at Nine News. We have news coming to you today from San Diego, California. And this one's a really good one, man. This is uh, this one makes me all nostalgic, gives me the warm fuzzies. Okay, it says, education is our only way out. New drug prevention videos highlight dangers of fentanyl, cannabis, and vaping. San Diego Union Tri Tribune. County Office of Education launches online video series, I Choose My Future, to help young people choose the future without drugs. County education leaders on Tuesday announced the release of a series of drug prevention education videos hosted by former DEA agent, special agent, and featuring talks by other local experts. We got another one in the news, fellas. The free videos posted on the County Office of Education's website seek to expand the drug prevention efforts that up until now were only done in person by Rocky Haran, who became the county's drug abuse prevention ambassador after retiring from the DEA. The idea is to make an I Choose My Future program available to more people. So not only was he able to siphon off a, a complete career uh, from the taxpayers. Now he's retired and able to siphon off another check from the taxpayers with this program. So anyway, education officials gathered with the Randy Children's Hospital pediatrician and County District Attorney Summer, Summer Steffen to announce the launch of the video at a press conference at the Coronado Middle School. The video was released pegged to Red Ribbon Week, Red, Red Ribbon Week, a national drug prevention effort in that began in 1985. We still do Red Ribbon Week. Is that are we serious? We still spend money on that? I think so. Uh, that's that's crazy. Anyway, uh, Heron tells students that drugs today are stronger, cheaper, easier to get, and more socially acceptable <laughs> than ever before. So they they need to be prepared if a friend asks them to use it. His talks include a mix of personal anecdotes from his DEA days, photos of overdose victims shown in an emotional slideshow, and lots of facts. The last, I actually will dispute all that, but the last part I really definitely dispute. Uh, he, is, he is the host of six online videos, which range in length from 11 to 22 minutes. Stefan and Dr. Natalie Lamb of the Randy's Children's Hospital pediatrician and UC San Diego assistant professor both appear in the videos. I believe the primary prevention education is our only way out, said Haran. That almost sounds, I believe primary prevention education is our only way out. That sounds almost exactly like the D.A.R.E. tagline. I'm saying like almost identical. You, you just basically switched out a few adjectives and nouns. That's it. 
anyway. Um, we have to teach our future generations of kids not to surrender themselves to the harms of a substance. Now, like, that is 100% true, and even true within cannabis. Like, you know, children should not use cannabis unless they're medically prescribed to do so. But when you when you lump in cannabis with all these other dangerous drugs, when you say, oh, yeah, we have to stop kids from doing uh, fentanyl and cannabis, like you add that in, it's not it, it doesn't equate. So I don't know. I'm getting off track. My bad. So Paul Goldhain, the county superintendent of the school, said her presentations resonate with the audiences. They that's why the county decided to amplify his message and spend a bunch of money by creating videos that could easily be shared with teachers as well as parents and caregivers. The problem is there's only one Rocky. Oh, shucks. So how do we scale and make this, make sure that all the kids have the information that they need and deserve? So the, the San Diego County leaders declared the fentanyl, that declared fentanyl a public emergency in 2022 after a sharp rise in fentanyl overdoses from 148 in 2019 to 812 in 2021 including a dozen victims under the age of 18. Among the deaths recorded by the Medical County Examiner's Office was a 24-week-year-old fetus that died and the child's mother who overdosed from fentanyl and Xanax. Uh, officials said illicit pills often contain a deadly dose of fentanyl, powerful synthetic opioid that is similar to morphine, but is 50 to 100 times more potent. The medical examiner has seen a leveling off in cases for 2022, 791 accidental fentanyl overdoses have been recorded so far. And the officials have said that that re could reach 815 when the cases are finalized. Six, decks, six, six of the deaths were victims under 18. Every week, Stefan said she talks with a parent who has lost a child to fentanyl, some who discover that they're their child's bodies. The, Im the image of looking a parent in the eyes and seeing it'll never go away has driven our team to continue our strong prosecutions against greedy drug dealers. But prosecutors, but prosecutors occur after a death has, a, prosecutions occur after a death has occurred, while drug education prevention actually prevents the death, she said. And she believes the videos will be transformative and underscore the message that one, a pit, one pill can kill. And then this is where we go right in, like, you hear all that, right? You hear all this death, destruction, fentanyl, murderous stuff, and then it goes ties you right into cannabis. Here, there's no segue, there's no title change, there's nothing. Cannabis overdoses are also a concern. Since 2016, Randon's Children's Hospital has seen an 800% increase in children under the age of 10 ingesting cannabis, often toddlers eating gummies and other cannabis-infused products by mistake. See, now... I, you just tell me about all these fentanyl overdoses where people are dying and this mother's crying over this body and viewing, and then you tie it right into the first sentence of cannabis overdoses, 800% children investing, in, ingesting cannabis, and it's all by mistake. And you don't even say that nothing happened to them. You see how like the, these, these, these articles, this is the San Diego Union Tribune. It's a, it's a loaded article because how we're taught to, to speak and teach about cannabis has to be changed. Again, I'll keep on going. Every year, Heron gives an in-person presentation at the Coronado Schools on Tuesday. Eighth graders Owen Ehrlichman and Anna Thomas told reporters his talks last year made them think more about the impact drugs have on people's lives. This presentation really showed me 
how even trying it one time or just saying yes one time can completely change your entire approach to life and your future, Anna said. Said Owens, it can really change your night life, not for the better, but for the worse. Um, this is basically like a regurgitation of the D.A.R.E. program. The D.A.R.E. program, I know everybody's familiar with it, it was full of propaganda, misinformation, lies, unscientific statements. It, I mean, complete BS. I will go online and or go on record and saying right now, like, yes, we should make sure that we have safe, effective laws that prevent children from having access to drugs and cannabis and alcohol and cigarettes and all the things that can damage their bodies in development stages and cause harm and injury. We should definitely do that. Do not use cannabis as a child unless you are prescribed by a doctor. However, that is not what this stuff is about right here. These programs right here are made to like put a value system into your children at a very young age. And like there was even like conversations with kids around me by D.A.R.E. officers, by other people in these type of programs where they were actually telling you to tell on your parents if they had cannabis in the house. Like, this is not what we're supposed to be doing to the family unit. Education is key, but education should come from the family unit and, and it should be instilled with the values that the family holds dear. That's what I'm saying for Wednesday. High at nine news. It's your outlaw correspondent, Luke Scarmazzo, kicking it back to the correspondents. What do you guys got to say about this? Here to teach teenagers has never worked. <clears throat> and I remember, you know, long time ago, over 50 years ago, when cops would come in and tell you about drugs, we just turned them off. It's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Don't talk to us about this. You can't come in once a year and give a, you know, a talk to kids and try to scare them not to use fentanyl and think that's effective at educating young folks about substances they're gonna encounter in their world. They're gonna see their family and friends use and what that means. They don't wanna teach them honestly that only 25% of people who ever use heroin go on to have heroin addiction. I don't want to tell you that because that's not the message they want to put out there. And less than 10% of people who ever smoke pot go on to have anything close to a, a cannabis use disorder. Those are the kinds of discussions I had with my children and every one of their kids that would listen. Molly was a physician. We weren't afraid to tell you. This is the facts about it. Cops are out there to deal with law enforcement. They're not trained in medicine. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Let's have an ongoing discussion about sex, about mental health, about substance use, and offer services to kids who go, hey, I'm struggling with vaping. Well, let's not castigate them. Let's get them into some treatment. Or, hey, I like smoking weed. Can we talk about that? And have services available. It's all about punishment. And if you don't follow the line I give you that you need to be afraid of all this, now you're going to be on the wrong side of the law. And it just, it's not, it's never worked. It never worked for me. None of my friends that had babies after taking acid had three eyed children. You know, you can't lie to kids. This is an ongoing discussion we should be having with kids as they mature and are ready to talk about sex, mental health, struggles in the family, and of course, substance use and abuse. I, I, I agree. It's really important that everybody talks about their kids with this, but not everybody does, right? And most people are not equipped with the right tools. And so we're always stuck in this like tail chasing circle where, like, for example, right now we have a law enforcement 
officer who's putting these videos out, right, or an agency that's putting these videos out, in I'm sure this is their attempt at doing what's right, right, and trying to be helpful and managing with the small amount of information that they're probably choosing to um, look at when they're putting their presentation together. It's just, it's, I know we sit in judgment a lot, but it's like, people are making an effort we also need to encourage them for the effort while also coaching them more right and making sure mm -hmm. that when people in the industry come across an opportunity to interface with law enforcement individuals who are supportive or trying to educate about the cannabis plant that we engage with them about how they're doing it and get into the methodology, methodologies and the material, the content that they're putting out, offer assistance, offer to be their education source. You know what? That, I, you bring up a very good point, Mandy, and I wish some of these social equity programs created or funded for basically a, a community person that would go into those local police departments to re-educate those officers in regards to what would be correct cannabis policy. And I think I think social equi uh, social equity advocates and whatnot should really uh, take that and into it consideration. It doesn't even need to be social equity. Other amazing well, educational so, so institutions I'm, I'm like saying, Oaksterdam, actually, that, that, yeah, Oaksterdam well, actually offers something like this to law enforcement agencies. They will come in and train their, their staff. Mm -hmm. and provide oh, 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 all kinds oh. of educational material. That's what I'm saying. That, that, but so, what, what I'm saying is when they pass these laws, that there, there should be some type of government funding that, that, that provides these types of resources to pay for that type of education. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it should be a part of a law enforcement agent's continuing education. Mm -hmm. Same thing with attorneys and doctors and really anybody who interfaces with the general public. They should be required to get educated. I can't believe we still have the majority of doctors that are writing prescriptions and seeing patients as we speak don't even know about the endocannabinoid system. Like this, there's so much education that needs to continue happening. And you know, I fucking say it all the time, but we're never gonna get to take off our teacher's hats when it comes to this plant. You don't get to get tired. You don't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and just to be clear too. Always, always evolving. And I just want them to tell the whole truth. Right. Uh, tell them the whole truth where they're getting this information. If there is an agenda, tell the whole truth, give the whole education behind it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, this stuff is in common pharmaceuticals. You know what else is? Opioids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you exactly. know, a, a lot of these doctors are putting stuff on you that are getting you guys uh, addicted to stuff, too. Uh, but when you go out there and you tell, like, oh, I choose a drug free future, like, what does that mean? And why, why are you even telling these kids, like, don't do something? Why don't you tell them, like, this is what this does. This is the effect that it has on its body, on, on your body. And this is the uh, uh, this is the negative results. These are the positive results. Like, I want to have, like, more balanced conversations from these educators uh, rather than them coming in with their own agenda. This, this more often than not, it's not backed by complete science. You might have, like, this, this is a great example of pseudoscience, right? You're just telling all the bad stuff, and you're not telling the good stuff. Right. Uh, you take too much sugar, you can end up with diabetes. Right. You don't get in those conversations uh, and you're giving these kids like, like horrible lunches. Right. Uh, um, and you're putting them in situations where they're in a school that are dimly lit, that look like a hospital, that look like a uh, that look like a jail. And these uh, teaching institutions, and they go out and they, they learn whatever they they're meant to learn out on the streets. 
they're not going to trust you. And once they find out that you lied to them, how do you think they're going to view police officers in the future? Right. I, I love breaking yep. down these uh, conversations with because, you know, dare uh, to keep kids off drugs. Uh, they rebranded and everything. I saw this fool outside the grocery store a couple months ago. Tore his ass apart because <laughs> he's like, yeah, we're just about education. Like, like, nah, man, like it's a bullshit. <laughs> it's a bullshit program. You fucked up a lot of kids' uh, uh, upbringing and you lied, and now you're just trying to you're just try to reskin yourself and try to be something else. Like, nah, man, like, like teach kids if you want to teach kids, especially in the educational format. If you want to be in uh, in classrooms teaching kids stuff, teach them the whole truth and and and, and promote their exploration to learn more on their own. Like, uh, like this is yeah. pisses me off. 100%. So and I, I agree, Rico. And and the the crazy part is the data that they come with is most of the time funded by agencies that will only accept data that is negative. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So like a lot of times you have, they have this slew of data and this research and this clinical trial and this survey, right? But all those were funded by like the Drug Abuse Prevention Agency, right? And they, they had a... a, a directive like hey look we're not looking for any benefits this is not what this study is about we want to know the negative effects and that's what we want you to report so there it's very skewed like you said and just to be clear like we're, i'm not disparaging mr haran or the low-level person who's actually trying to do the education like he's just a pawn in this thing too like when we when I'm talking about these these institutions, I'm talking about them as a whole and their culture and what they're what is taught and then their strategic uh, uh, marketing, I guess, to, for lack of better words, of how they want to put it out to the to the world and make themselves look and make the issues that they represent look. So it's not necessarily the the workers' fault at the ground level. He's just doing what the culture has already brainwashed them to do. But what we do have to do is we have to start back at the beginning and say, hey, look, what was taught to you was not correct in the first place. We want to come back to the beginning and teach from a scientific, factual perspective of what the harms and benefits of this plant can be and educate in the right way. And then we can be partners in this education rather than just giving your slanted propaganda about how bad drugs are, tell on your mom so that we can put her in jail and start the industrial complex once again. Mic drop on that, mm -hmm. my brother. 100%. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so we are at the. Rico. Yeah, it's, it's always good to have these. Uh, Rico. Emotionally driven conversations to end on these, man. You got you got a quick Rico. one for us, Jason. Well, I, I do have a quick one if you guys want to stick around for it. It's it's regarding Hall of Flowers, and so I understand if you have to go, but uh, if not. What do you say, Rico? All right, all right, all right. Here you guys go. Let's get quick. Let's get it. We're, Let's we're get gonna it. go. We're Let's gonna go as quick as we can. Giant cannabis trade show could be headed to Ventura County Fairgrounds. That's right. The Ventura County Fairgrounds has entered into a tentative agreement to offer its first ever cannabis event, a two-day trade show in March, expected to attract four thousand people representing retailers, major marijuana, and other parts of the industry. After a presentation on Tuesday for the well-known Hall of Flowers trade show, Fairgrounds. CEO Jen McGuire said a contract is being drawn up for the show to lease space at the Ventura Fairgrounds on March 13th and 14th before the deal becomes official. 
It will have to be approved by the fairgrounds board of directors and also reviewed by the state, which owns the site. And the Hall of Flowers shows held once a year in Northern California and Southern California bring together sellers of Aurea. We, we all know this, but in a quote, here we go. It's really the future, McGuire said. I feel like we have to get on board or get left behind. Exact terms have not been revealed, but the show could bring in more than $50,000 in revenue to the fairgrounds, including parking uh, receipts, according to staff projections. And both display marijuana, buds, edibles, concentrates, tinctures from a wide array and a wide array of accessories. A trade show held in Cathedral City last year was described by the Desert Sun newspaper as an IKEA for cannabis. It's a one-stop shop. It's for buyers and brands to meet, said Holloflower CEO Danny Diamond. That's where people go to see brands and explore products that they haven't thought about. People can, can smoke product samples in, in consumption areas, at, in areas located at least 20 feet away from buildings and fairgrounds. Board director Dan Long suggested the smoking areas could be moved even further away from buildings. In September, direct, uh, directors adopted California Department of Food and Agriculture guidelines that will push Fair, fair boards planning cannabis events to consider issues like proximity to schools and the need for show operators to obtain a temporary state license for on-site sales and consumption. The guidelines open the door to the innovation-only trade show event, McGuire said. Work has now also begun drafting up a comprehensive policy to deal with any future cannabis shows at the fairgrounds, including events that could be open to the public. And Diamond told the board members the industry is heavily regulated and that the event organizers use robust measures, including security guards, police officers, and emergency medical professionals. He said the show has been in talks with the fairgrounds for several months in pursuit of a base near Los Angeles, and in a quote, we are hoping this will be our SoCal home, he said, also citing the economic benefits that could bring to Ventura County. Even room in town, every room in town will be booked. In a September fair, uh, fair board meeting, the some directors said discussions on cannabis events should wait until a full policy is in place, and on Tuesday, director M. Celia Kuvas urged directors to support cannabis shows, citing the additional revenue and comparing the events to the gun shows the fairgrounds held at the site for many years before state legislation brought a ban in January. Personally, I believe flowers are a lot better than weapons, she says. What do you guys think? Hall of Flowers, Ventura County, March. Hopefully it's better attended than the last one up north because that was kind of sad. Hmm. I mean, yeah. So, but but the the, the board <laughs> still has the the board still has to approve this decision before it can happen. At least that's what the article. That's how I get from the article. So hopefully I, the I board. Never, I will never. I'll never stand in and try to block anybody's hustle. <laughs> this is a finesse, y'all. I don't know. I I I, I do want to congratulate them on on the on 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 getting uh, Ventura Fairgrounds across across the finish line on this, and so hopefully the board of directors will move in that same position. Finesse but, game vicious. Yeah, we 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 we, we shall. They see. always have the biggest challenges with their locations. The venue is yeah. always the challenge. It is. It is. <laughs> good luck. And I wish. Good I wish. Off. I, it's, it's good awesome. luck, y'all. I wish Danny and everyone over there at Hall of Flowers the best of luck at this, and then we hope to pull it off, and we hope to be doing a show over there in March. That'd be dope. Yes. 
We'll be there regardless. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Holler at them. Tell them VIP passes for all the Hyatt Nine crew and uh, give out more free cannabis. Oh, there we go. Free Jamal, free Darla. Yes. Free Darla. Free, Darla. Free, free Jamal and free Darla. <laughs> all right. We're at the top of the hour. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of High Nine News. Catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific. High noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to Superfan Show and Love. Getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms. Tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over. Bringing us much needed variety of perspective. Your respected opinions to the table, too. Hunter production team. All of our sponsors keeping the lights on, and usually our AV struggles to a minimum. I am a, I'm a thumb pointer, not a finger pointer. It was on me today. <laughs> so I had a little AV issues at the beginning. Uh, but um, always Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the I-9 team meets every single day to read these headlines. Thank you. It has been Wednesday, hump, 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 hump day. October 25th, 2023, the show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put it in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Is Mandy still here? We got Mandy. I see, I see Luke walked off. Hey, Mandy, you got you got you got the outro for us. The kids might need attention. Nope. Dale is just Dale Where is just at, back. Dale? Dale is just back. Oh, you know, I always got something to say. Yeah. All right, there we go. Arca, Come on with it, man. Arca Glad Arca to have you back, brother. That the opinion of ten thousand men is worthless, and they know nothing on the subject. Oh, take those opinions and put them in your pipe and smoke them. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Win the Hell day on yeah. that.